0: Our Gospel reading for today comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him. And they fell down and worshiped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, O Christ. The last time I was able to preach for uh, us here at Calvary was just about a month ago. Um, That would put us back around early December. And during that time, we worked together to to solve one of life's great controversies and great mysteries. That controversy, of course, being when it becomes appropriate to listen to Christmas music. Now, to that, I, I, uh, I offered a number of different periods of time, and I said, raise your hand when that describes you. Some of you were a little bit stingy, and you said not until December 1st. Most of us agreed that you can listen to your Christmas music, but not until after Thanksgiving has had its moment. And then there were the rebels, who said, I don't care what the calendar says, I'm going to listen to my Christmas music when I want to. And today, we've got another debate to settle. We've covered this whole Christmas music thing, but we have a new debate. That debate is, when should you take down your Christmas decorations? Namely, when should you take down your Christmas tree? So just like we did a month ago, I'm going to uh, name a couple of different practices, and I want you to raise your hand if that's you. I want you to be be bold, be brave, uh, don't be afraid to raise your hand. So here's our first one. Raise your hand if you are the person who wakes up on December 26th and you say, Get that tree out of my house. It's shed needles all over the place. It's taken up valuable real estate in my room. I need it gone. Anybody? Anybody's December 26th? Good good for you guys. Okay, now that we've got that one out of the way. Now let's say, uh, raise your hand if you are the kind of person who says, as I go into the new year, you better believe I'm taking my Christmas tree with me. And it's staying up at least until January 1st. Okay, all right, we've got some people. Now, raise your hand if you're gonna take that a little bit further and say, hey, this thing, Epiphany, that we're talking about, I've gotta wait for Epiphany to be over with. Okay, even more hands. Okay, now again, I, I told you to be brave, be bold, be honest. Raise your hand if you are going to proudly take your tree with you into February. We've, okay, we, we've got some, which, you know what, it sounds strange. But a few slight alterations, and you can make it work. You get some Groundhog's Day ornaments, you got a Groundhog's Day tree, right? Hearts, that's an easy one. Valentine's Day tree, President's Day tree, I don't think they make ornaments for that. So don't do that one. Well, today we're going to be talking about uh, the end of the Christmas season getting into Epiphany. And we're not here to say that there is a right or a wrong time to take your decorations down because Believe it or not, Jesus just had more important things for us to talk about, but it is a timely question because you will notice that as the world is putting Christmas away, here at the church, Christmas is still here. It has not been put away just yet, and that's because today we celebrate Epiphany. Epiphany is that celebration of the Magi, the the people from the east finally completing their journey to, to Bethlehem to see and to worship and adore the newborn king. So you know that, um, that silly song that, that some radio stations will play, the 12 days of Christmas, on the first day of Christmas my true love gave to me, right? The 12 days of Christmas is actually, at the end of that 12 days, that's when we get epiphany. So in many ways, culture has Christmas wrong. We love to begin celebrating Christmas in December. That's Advent season. That's the time of Advent which we are eagerly waiting for the king to be born. But he's not here yet. It's not technically the Christmas season until Christmas Day. And on Christmas Day, when Jesus is born, then we go into the real Christmas season, which has 12 days of Christmas. And then at the end of those 12 days, you have what we celebrate this weekend, Epiphany which is the celebration of the, the wise men, the Magi, making their way to Jesus. Now, we've, we've read the text a little bit, um, but it's, it's a great story, right? It, it all begins with, with the Magi um, identifying and seeing the star up in the sky. They see the star, and so they set out after it. And as they're following this star, it takes them to Jerusalem, And so they begin asking people around Jerusalem, saying, Have you seen the star? Have you seen the newborn king? Where is this this king of the Jews who, who we are looking for? Has anybody seen him? Because we want to worship him. We want to adore him. And as they're asking these questions, they're asking around, they're searching for Jesus, Herod catches wind of this. And so Herod, King Herod, calls the Magi in. And he, gets, he puts a, a plan into motion. He gives the, the Magi a task. He says, hey Magi, I want you to keep looking. Keep following the star. And when you find the baby, the newborn king, I want you to report back to me. So that way I too, I can go and I can worship Jesus. Now, for Herod, this is one of those like wink-wink moments, or those those fingers crossed behind your back moments, because Herod has no interest in worshiping Jesus. But Herod has a lot of interest in getting rid of Jesus. And so the the Magi, they go on their way, they continue to follow the star until it settles over this place. And they they go into the house where the star has settled over, and when they get in, they find Jesus and, and Mary. And it says that they fall down to to their knees, and they worship him, and they open up their treasures to him, and they give him all of these gifts. Now, their response to coming into the presence of Jesus, it's really powerful, it's very meaningful, and we're going to get into that. But before we do, there might be some questions about this text that you have. The first question might be, who are the wise men? Because we really only ever hear about the wise men, at least in the New Testament, in this one passage. There are four Gospels, and Matthew is the only one who mentions the wise men. Luke talks about the angels and the shepherds. The other two Gospels say very little about the birth of Jesus. So who are these people? Well, Scripture doesn't tell us much about who the wise men are. Yet, going off of some of our Old Testament prophecies, our best educated guess is that these may have been foreign kings or foreign officials. We don't know exactly who they were, but we're told that they came a long distance from the east. And that is significant in itself. We'll we'll get into that. Now, the thing about the wise men, again, is that we know so little about them, we don't actually know how many there were. How many do we always see in our nativity scene? Three, right? And why do we assume that there were three wise men? Because there were the three gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Yet, as you read the text it never says that there were two wise men or three wise men or five or ten or a hundred or however many. It just says that there were the wise men. And so you have these wise men who travel from the east and they bring their gifts. And the significant thing about the wise men here is that they do come from the east, meaning these are likely Gentiles and not Jews. And so here after Jesus' birth, you have this amazing thing happening where very quickly you have Gentiles coming to worship Jesus. And Jesus is already showing that he is the king, not just of the Jews, but of the Gentiles. He's the king of all people and all nations. Now, another question might be, why did they follow the star? Was this a a normal thing? Was this a common practice? Well, first off, they didn't have iPhones. They didn't have GPS. They didn't have the maps like we have today, so being familiar with with the stars was probably a more common practice. But additionally, to this group of wise men, we can have an educated guess that there were some practices that were probably significant to them. The first of them being astronomy, again, knowing the, you know, the placement of the stars and identifying the stars and whatnot. And the second being astrology, which takes that a step further, takes meaning out of where the the stars are located at, where the moon is, where the planets are, and all of their alignments and whatnot. Now, as you probably and hopefully know, as God's people today, we take no meaning in that. It doesn't mean anything to us, this practice of astrology. However, again, it's powerful to see that in this circumstance, God is essentially commandeering this practice, saying if, if you are looking for signs, if you're looking in the wrong places, I'll speak to you even in these strange places. So he commandeers this practice. And again, this is another way in which he is drawing all of his people closer to him. Finally, you might be wondering, what is the deal with the gifts? Are the gifts meaningful? Are the gifts significant? And that one's actually fairly straightforward. The Magi brought the three gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gold, we're all familiar with. It's a, it's a precious metal It's something that's of great value. Frankincense was an incense. It was something that was burned, and it it gave a good good smell. And then you have myrrh. Myrrh was commonly used in perfumes and medicines. Um, It had a a nice uh, smell to it as well. And all said, all things put together, these are the gifts that you would give to a king. So when the wise men make their way from the east, and they finally make their way to Jesus, they present him with these three gifts, and they're speaking something about Jesus with the gifts that they give him. They are identifying Jesus as their king. And if you want to read into it more, you can see these gifts in a symbolic nature as well, with gold symbolizing Jesus' kingship frankincense, symbolizing the worship of Jesus as you would burn that incense in the temple as you would worship him. And then myrrh, a perfume which was used used in burials. Um, When when people passed, they would be wrapped in perfumes because it would make that decomposing process um, go a little bit better. So that perfume then would symbolize Jesus' eventual death and his sacrifice on our behalf. So that's the story. And you've probably heard it before, but hopefully you know one or two things more about it now. So as you take this story in, I want to ask all of us a question. What kind of wise men do you think you would be? Do you think that you would make a good wise man? For them, it all started with this leap of faith. You know, they they see the star out in the sky, and they take that leap of faith, and they set out after the star. They don't know where they're going, yet they go. They don't know how long it's going to take to get there, yet they go. They don't know exactly what they're going to find when they get there, but still they go. None of this is easy, none of this is convenient, yet they go. And all of this going is in an effort to see and to worship and to praise and adore the newborn king. What kind of wise men do you think you would make. I think that I would probably make a pretty lousy magi. I don't think I'd be very good at it. I think I'm pretty good at making excuses, which would make me a pretty bad magi. I know that I could go and I could worship the the king at the church today, but the church, it's all the way across town, so I'm just going to leave it. I know that I could go and worship the king today, but I've worshiped the king the last three Sundays. That's probably good enough, at least for a little bit. I know that I could go and worship the king, but I don't know if that place is going to allow me to worship the king the way that I like to worship the king. I don't know if I'll get to wear the clothes that I want to wear. I don't know if I'll get to sing the songs that I like. So I just don't know. And all of those are only the excuses that we make not to go and worship the king. Those aren't even the excuses that we have for when our worship of him is half-hearted. And a lot of the times, that's one of the greater problems that we have. We do go to worship. We do go to adore, but we do so only with half of our heart. So what kind of magi do you think you would make? When the magi arrive to worship Jesus and to adore him, they do so with gifts in hand, the gold and the frankincense and the myrrh. And as they give these gifts, they're identifying Jesus as their king. What about the gifts that we give Jesus? what about our gifts that we present to Jesus? What do our gifts say about who we feel Jesus is to us? Because their gifts called him the king. So what do our gifts say about who we feel Jesus is? Because if it's anything less than calling him the king, then it's just simply not enough. Now, in all truth, that's, that's a lot of law, and that's some heavy law, but it's not unfair. It's not unjust. Every day we are called to recognize and confess, worship Jesus. We do not properly adore Jesus. But at this time, while all of that is true and all of that is fair, it's important for us to remember who Jesus is and what Jesus came to do and what it is that Jesus truly wants. Because Jesus is the Son of God who, on, in this Christmas season, he set aside. His place next to the Father in order to become flesh just like me and just like you. And then he lived and then he died and he rose again. And all of that was because he loves sinners. He loves sinners like me and like you. He loves the sinners who are just like us, who fail to properly worship him, who fail to follow him, who fail to adore him, So the question has been, what kind of wise man would you make? You may not make a very good wise man, but Jesus still wants you as his son and his daughter. You may not be very good at following Jesus the way that you ought to, yet Jesus still pursues you every single day. You may not give Jesus the gifts that call him the king in the way that you ought to, yet Jesus still values each and every one of you as his greatest and his most prized possessions. So on this day of an epiphany, as we continue into this epiphany season, to that person who loves the sinners, to Jesus, our God in flesh, who draws all of us in despite all of our sin, to him be all praise, and to him be all adoration. So this time I invite you to join me in prayer. Jesus, we praise and adore you for your great love for us, Daily, we fail to follow you, we fail to praise you, and we fail to adore you the way that we should. But you respond back to us with nothing but love. As we continue into this season of Epiphany, Lord, we ask that you would strengthen us, give us strength to follow you, strength to praise you, strength to adore you with with not just half of our heart, but with all of our heart. We pray that we would be able to praise you with everything that we think, with everything that we say and with everything that we do. We pray all of this in Jesus' holy and precious name. All God's people said, amen.